Hello and welcome to another edition of Conversations Beyond the Pew. And I am your forever talker, lifetime, won't shut up, Reverend Kara Hildebrandt. And today I'm pretty excited because the other big talker that's in my life besides me <laughs> is a friend, uh, Martha. And uh, Martha welcome and she is going to share with us some things from her experiences in the finance world and so uh just tell everybody just a little bit about yourself like the you know where you worked and what you taught uh, um i'm an economist by uh training i have a master's in economics um taught at university of michigan dearborn college of business uh taught uh business economics and finance for a long time. I've uh, been retired um, almost three years. And uh, uh, teaching was really important and I enjoyed it because uh, I believe it's all about adding value to people. So if, if people understand something and they get it and they embrace it, you've added value to them. And that's what education's about. So. Well, thank you for joining me, and hopefully uh, people will find our conversation intriguing because uh, when you and I talk, we're often talking about uh, finances and uh, managing finances, whether that's uh, in the church world or um, maybe we're discussing the economy and, and kind of what to expect or when we're meeting with investment advisors in our respective presbytery realm. Um, and so today I thought it would be really interesting to try to provide a little bit of hope out there um, because yeah, things are difficult, but they're not, it, the end of the world is not there. And so that I'm, I'm going to steer us towards uh, hope. And as we think about things right now, uh, when, should you panic and when should you not panic when it concerning finances? Um, I think the long run goal is don't panic period. Okay. Uh, but, but uh, that being said, um, particularly now with the, the unemployment rate uh, so high and uh, record uh, people applying for uh, unemployment benefits, um, it, Managing your money is really a challenge. Um, so here, I've got a few tips that I think will help. Uh, so, and this is uh, particularly if you uh, are laid off right now or furloughed, but even beyond that, uh, if you're worried that you can't uh, cover all your bills, um, here are some ideas that I think can help. Uh, there are things called spending journals, and they don't have to be sophisticated at all. Just keep a list of how you're spending your money. Because I think, and well, I know that if you do this for a while, several weeks, and you get used to doing it, you're going to find out that, gee, I just spent $5 for, I'm going to use an example. Coffee shops aren't really open right now, but they will be. And a lot of us love our specialty coffee. 
including right. me. Drinks. Yes. yes, I know. You do too. Yeah. Um, and it's expensive. Yeah. And you would probably be surprised if you kept track. You could set up categories, basic foods, uh, gasoline, uh, special things like coffee or uh, anything that you think about that is um, something that is a special treat for you. Mm -hmm. But keep track of how you spend your money. And then on a monthly or week, even weekly basis, go ahead and take a look at it. And you might be surprised. And so it might be a source. It can become a source of, gee, I don't need to spend this money. Yeah. Or I can wait and spend this money. Which leads me to wants versus needs. Oh, that's hard. We struggle with what's a want and what is a need. A need. Yeah. yeah, lots of us do. Um, so I think that's the first challenge. What are the wants? What are the needs? Hmm. And then beyond that, you have to prioritize things, even within your needs. Hmm. All right. But let's go to the wants for a second. Uh, so there, you know, we've all got a different list of wants that we'd like to have in our head. Oh yeah. Um, and the more prone we are to uh, spend money on uh, the wants, especially in times like this, uh, we really not need to recognize those expenses. And uh, if you're spending money on uh, wants and you're not spending money on important needs, that's yeah. a problem. Yeah. So if you one can recognize and prioritize both the wants and the needs, I think it will help a lot. Yeah, and and really doing some deep digging on that of of maybe even writing that down because it's easy. Yes. You start to make reasons why the want is a need when in reality, no, it, it's it, not. It just yeah. is a want. Right. Yeah. Well, and if you're using the spending journal idea, you can, this will help you identify them. Yeah. Um, so that should help. Um, another priority, most of us have got credit cards, car payments, uh, rental payments, mm -hmm. uh, mortgage payments. Uh, you need to prior prioritize your bills. Yeah. S stop using your credit cards. I mean, if you don't have enough money to pay things, stop using your credit cards. And the goal is to live at or below your means, which right. again, now I keep going back to wants versus needs in the spending journal. So it all kind of fits together over time. Yeah, there's an interlocking overlap, like one yeah. supports the other. Oh, absolutely. And uh, the sooner we recognize this interlocking or interrelationship between all these items, um, I think you can bring your anxiety level down and have hope for the next few months. Yeah. Now, uh, the one thing I've been in the reading I've been doing is that a lot of people have not called their financial institutions, their credit card companies. So if you, as you're prioritizing your bills and figuring out whether you have enough money or not to pay bills, this is when you need to call the credit card company, your student loan service uh, provider, uh, the car loan folks, the 
the mortgage payments, uh, you've got to ask the financial institution for help. And they are helping these days. Which is nice uh, that they're actually, if you're willing to talk to them, they're willing to, yeah. to help back some. Because if they're not, if you don't call and ask for help and then don't pay bills, the past due status ends up on a credit report and then you're, you're affected for years. Yeah. So uh, asking for help. Um, I think that's really important. If you are um, on unemployment mm -hmm. at this point, uh, it is scheduled to end in the summer. Right. And so my suggestion is if you're making more, and many people are uh, on unemployment right now because of the, uh, uh, the expansion of, of the unemployment that the federal government, the Congress voted, uh, I would suggest you save that money. If at all it's, possible. If like at if, all possible. Yeah. And again, again, we're back to interlocking. If you are prioritizing bills, um, asking for um, some help from your creditors, keeping track of how you're spending cash, all your money, uh, prioritizing wants versus needs. It really does fit together. Um, and, and it can give you, uh, again, reducing anxiety and providing some hope. Yeah. What have you found hopeful or, or about um, being in the finance world? Um, where do you kind of draw your hope from as you're looking at numbers? Um, that's kind of funny because I'm kind of, I, uh, <laughs> consider myself kind of an, uh, an oddball when it comes to this. Um, I've always liked numbers. Um, I'm comfortable with numbers and I, but I've understood through all my teaching, most people aren't. Mm -hmm. So the most, so my view is the more you can do to overcome whatever the anxiety is about the numbers yeah, and the, and what they mean to you. Mm -hmm. uh, and even if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, uh, things will just go better for you. Yeah. Um, and you, that's how you can plan. I mean, we've made it really easy for students to borrow money. Mm -hmm. Well, it has to be paid back. Right. And some people borrowed more than they should have borrowed because it was, it was too easy. Truth. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and uh, realize that banks and credit cards, their goal is to make money for themselves. And managing how you use your credit card is really important. I can give a really good example. I'll mm -hmm. use myself. Um, and I've done this like forever. Mm -hmm. So I know when, first of all, I don't, I use one major credit card. Okay. I don't use several. I know when it cuts off. Mm -hmm. And because the plan is always to pay that bill off every month, right. I, I keep track of it mostly. I don't need to write it down. A lot of people would need to write it down. Keep track of how much you're, you're charging. And unless it's a real emergency yeah. and you think, oh, well, I want, I want to buy this. 
Well, no, wait till your credit card cuts off, goes into the next billing cycle. Go ahead and do it, but then you're keeping track of how much you're spending. So that the goal would be every month, use their money. Mm. Use their money. Use their money for the time that it's free to you, that grace period. Yeah. Yeah. And then pay the bill off. And you're really ahead of the game. Another tip is um, on a car loan and uh, or a mortgage payment, if you can afford to, you make extra principal payments. Don't make extra payments because the payment includes interest. You right. need to make it. Well, a lot of people don't know that. Um, you make extra principal payments and you can pay down that car a whole lot faster. Yeah. You can pay the mortgage down a whole lot faster. And again, there's a balance between uh, us using uh, other people's money, like a bank's money or a credit union's money. That's fine. But you want to use it to your advantage. Right. Instead of them taking advantage of you. That's right. You do not want to be beholden to them. Because the more you are, the more anxiety you're going to have about your finances. And it's hard to be hopeful when you're worried about making minimum payments on credit cards. Right. Right. Um, it is anxiety inducing because you also feel like you're owned by somebody else. Um, that somebody owns yes. you, uh, owns your finances, owns your money. Like you have no, it's it almost feels like you're out of control of it. Mm -hmm. That's true. Um, if you're using several credit cards and you're only making minimum payments on those credit cards and you've got a car loan and rent or a mortgage payment, uh, you're really uh, owned by the bank or the banks, the lending institutions. And it's really hard to get out of it. There are um, good credit counseling uh, services, uh, but you need to be careful because there are uh, some rather unscrupulous types out there that'll say, oh, well, we'll help you, yeah. but you don't have to pay a bill. Well, yeah, you do. <laughs> right. Um, discipline. So, discipline. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, maybe it's one of the areas where um, it's easy to struggle with this as a discipline. Um, there's, there's something about it that, that makes it more difficult or anxiety inducing. And maybe it's because of how we grew up or maybe we feel like we lack certain knowledge or something. Um, I think we've made it, um, this is just my opinion. Uh, I think we've made it way too easy uh, for younger generations to borrow money. Okay. Um, this is gonna sound really old, but I didn't have a car till I finished college. Yeah, And I remember um, most of my students were leasing cars mm -hmm. uh, at the university um, and they all complained about their car payments. And I was, my response was, well, did you really need to have that new car? And they just kind of looked at me like I was crazy. Right. So uh, I do think part of it is definitely um, the consumerism of uh, this country. And uh, as parents, we've, at least my generation's tried to make it easier for our kids. And um, 
data hasn't always uh, worked out uh, mm. to their advantage. Yeah. So changing gears a little bit, what do you love about the financial world? Because you, you've spent your entire life in it. And even yeah. like your, the work that you do out, now that you're retired is still based uh, somewhat in that world. Um, so what do you love about it? Um, so when I was in high school, um, I thought I was going to be a history major when I went to college because I love history. Mm -hmm. And then I found out that, well, geez, I probably couldn't make a living teaching history in high school because that's what I thought I'd do. Okay. I thought I back then you had to be a social studies major, and I was, no, I didn't want to do that. And I had taken some econ classes, uh, microeconomics that uh, looks at the consumer and why we make choices, and macroeconomics. Uh, that studies these big issues like interest rates and employment and monetary policy and um, fiscal policy, that stuff. And it all just made sense. Mm. It just made sense. And um, so then I started taking all these courses and it continued to make sense. That's what I love about it. To me, this just makes sense. And then <laughs> the teaching came um, that I had this mission. I was, I was in the banking world for a, a number of years and then um, went back to graduate school. And it became, I found out that, gee, I could teach at the college level with a master's degree. Okay. So that was exciting. Um, and then I found out that, um, well, I, a compliment that was paid to me years and years ago by a tenured faculty member uh, with a PhD who said, you're just a natural born teacher. And I said, oh, whatever, if you say so. But the point was, um, somehow I've been able to, um, been able to tell the story. And that's really how I look at economics. Whatever the topic was, I would say to the students, okay, guys, this is a story of, and I'd start it and lay it out with the assumptions and just build my story. Mm. and then pull it all together and um actually it worked um, nice yeah and it works um so i've and and i've been a, occasionally run into former students and i don't even recognize them and they've said gee i remember and you taught me and i that's the highest praise i could ever get adding value that was the goal to add value Nice. So and that and that's what economists do. We add value. So that's that's why I like it. It's just cool. It fits together in my brain, but I'm very aware that it doesn't fit together in most people's brains this way. So yeah, yeah then not, people are as excited as as you are about it. Right. Yeah, I'd always uh, ask students. Um, and say to them, so you probably hated your principles of micro and macroeconomics. And they'd all go, yeah. And I said, well, you just didn't have somebody who was passionate and geeked out about it like me. So <laughs> give me a chance. And I, no, I did this. I did this. And these were juniors and seniors at nice. University of Michigan. Denver. And, you know, it, I shouldn't, certainly didn't convince everybody, but I convinced enough of them. Yeah. It well, worked. And there's something really nice about this image of value added 
that even though that is an, uh, an economics term, that that is also a term used uh, in different ways, whether it's in religion or mm-hmm. in um, philosophy of how are you adding value to someone to else's, world. yeah, to the world, to someone else's life, that it's right. not just taking, but there's something about adding value wherever you are and that there's different ways of doing it. Right. Well, and people talk about giving back. Um, I, I just have always called it uh, adding value to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, I'm, uh, and I still am trying to do that right. uh, is, in my retirement. Yeah, which is why you, you do your volunteer work that you do. That's true. Um, That's true. And, and you have a certain set of gifts that, are, that help organizations uh, in ways that not a lot of people are able to do it. So I want to use those gifts as long as I can to help adding value. That's, that's it. Uh, well, this leads me to my final question, which I think it's, it kind of goes with it. Of um, What piece of wisdom do you try to live by? can't edit out on this. Wow. This is a hard, you should have told me you were going to do this. No, I ask everybody this question. It's always good because it's always like people, you know, are like, Oh, let's see what piece of wisdom do I live by? Um, in all my relationships as, uh, a wife, a mother, a grandmother, a friend, a professional colleague through the volunteer work, um, to um, be as helpful and as caring and empathetic as I can be. And the overriding thought about that is uh, my belief in God and um, that I'm here to, um, to serve people to figure out the best way I'm supposed to be serving people. That's a daily challenge for me. Yeah. No, I, I think that that's really good. See, I'm glad I didn't prep you for that. And I don't prep anybody when I ask that question. And, and you know what, the other way to reduce it down is that I can add, here we go, add value to every one of my individual relationships. That's a good end. That's a good summary. Whether it's friendship, uh, the family relationships, the, the spousal relationship. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. So well, edit out all the garbage, and, but really, that's a good no, summary. No, no, because there was the whole process of thinking through that. No, that was, <laughs> that was good. So, so thank you. And to all those out there listening, um, these are real conversations that I don't generally edit. Uh, <laughs> And this, hey, hey, only every now and then do I have to edit a little bit. Uh, Sometimes, you know, people start swearing or, you know, something like that. Um, Didn't swear. No, we did not. I am really proud of us. Uh, And for all my listeners, uh, so uh, thank you, Martha, for joining me today. And, uh, well, I'll see you around at happy hour before too long on Zoom.
So to everybody listening, have a good one. Bye. 